Hey everyone, welcome to Rocket Apple Edition. I'm Simone de Rochefort and I'm joined by Christina Warren, Senior Tech Correspondent at Mashable, and Brianna Wu, Head of Development at Giant Space Cat. Brianna, why are you laughing? I, I'm just thinking that our tagline is Accelerate Geek Conversation, and we're recording this so early in the morning. This <laughs> might not be our most accelerated episode This is going to be like our, I don't know, slam on the brakes edition of Rocket, which is too bad because I'm so excited about everything we're going to talk about today, but I'm also like dying inside. So <laughs> the back from the grave edition. <laughs> back from the grave. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, I oh, we were going to do, unfortunately, this week, I, we wanted to read the thing about Idris Elba, the Idris Elba is James Bond, but unfortunately, I was not able to prepare it, so look forward to that next week, I think. We will definitely yeah. do that next I, week. I, will I had to polish up on my yeah. English accent. I was like, I'm going to watch some Idris Elba. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work that accent out. And Can, can no. we tease that for the audience and let them know what that's about? <laughs> because this is, this yes. is the greatest so thing good. ever. Yeah, Christina, did you, did you hear us talking about this? Like, I'm so excited. I, yeah. Yeah, I did. I heard you guys talk about it. So so you, you guys fill everyone in because I'm excited about this. All right. So uh, so Leonard Delaney, uh, if you remember a few episodes back on Rocket, um, he wrote a very, uh, a masterpiece of Western literature. A masterpiece. Literature <laughs> called Taken by the Apple Watch, which he had to call for, for um, legal <laughs> reasons. And now he is, uh, he's written a new novel, uh, a new erotic novel called uh, Womanized by Idris Elba playing James Bond. <laughs> 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 And it is. I can. I can tell you. I've seen press previews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I used my press card to get advanced uh, access to this fine work of literature, and I can say it somehow is an even better literary work than the previous book. Yes, so, um, it really is. I read we, the first page, and I was I was blown right away. Well, what do you think? What what impressed you about the the literature? <laughs> what impressed me the most is how perfectly it it tailors itself to that fantasy of Idris Elba playing James Bond. It's right up there, up front. Like this is the man for the role. He was born for the role. We've been waiting for this for so long. And there's this the woman. Uh, I think she's a production assistant or something, watching and like just trying to keep her her stuff together. Like there he is. There he is. And I that I think we can all relate to that. That's a very human emotion. Trying to ha- keep our stuff together in front of Major Selva playing James Bond. Intriguing duality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I just want to hear Simone talk dirty. That's yeah. That's really yeah. Well, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll Honestly, I mean, you Idris don't want to hear too. my English accent. I was I was testing it out and I was like, ooh. Well, this is, maybe ooh. not do it. Maybe maybe try another accent. Well, Uh, the the authenticity brianna right of course of course of course (laughs) so listen we are we're all here super early because uh you know christina uh was doing like advanced uh like we couldn't record rocket our normal time last week because christina was actually checking out the stuff with apple that we were talking about (laughs) exactly had her hands all right and now you know she's at xoxo this week so we're recording this super early in the morning uh why don't we leap right into it yeah yeah, let's do get it, it done. Yeah. All right, yeah. so first things first, iPhone 6S, oh, 6S Plus. Oh. It's pink. It is pink. Okay. Oh, did you want to say something, Brianna? 
No, no, no. I, you know, this is the Christina show, I feel, today, because <laughs> I just, I speculated, like, she, you're, Christina, your Mashable piece on this, I was not super sold on it, and then I read your Mashable piece, and I swear <laughs> this is true, I was fist pumping. I was like, dude, yeah. Yeah. I, that, between that and T-Mobile's whole deal thing, I am now going to get up at midnight and order one of these darn things. So, okay, so the iPhone 6S, uh, it has a, a ton, uh, The t- you mentioned the tagline in your pieces every nothing has changed except everything has changed and that that is pretty much accurate and not exactly hyperbole at all so do you want to talk a little bit about the stuff that has changed yeah no so i mean I, as i wrote in my hands-on piece i was like as much as i would like to take them to task and ignore them for being hyperbolic and ridiculous with their tagline they're kind of not wrong so other than looking the same uh, on the outside, uh, they've changed almost everything about the phone. So first of all is the casing. Um, it is no longer the uh, aluminum that we know and love. <laughs> it, it is now 7,000 series aluminum. So Bendgate be damned. Uh, mm-hmm. Bendgate is now dead. So this was uh, rumored, I think we even talked about it, uh, Lou from Unbox Therapy got a hold of one of the shells for the phone, and it turns out that was accurate. So it's a lot stronger than uh, the shell was before. Um, it's been enforced with zinc. They also said that they now have a much stronger or the strongest ever kind of glass that they're using on the front. It's not sapphire glass. Um, it, it's something that Corning did, but it's you know apparently stronger than ever. And, and the reason they had to change the type of glass used on the front of the phone uh, is because of this 3D touch, which we'll get into in a second. On the inside, so it's now got a, um, an A9 processor um, which is their third generation 64-bit processor. They're saying that it's, you know, the GPU is a lot faster than last year, which was already a great GPU, faster for CPU tasks, uh, faster LTE, uh, faster Wi-Fi, and um, sadly still the same starting at 16 gigabytes thing. I'll rant about that uh, later. I, I can't believe they're doing that. The camera they've updated. So it's now a 12 megapixel sensor. It still has the same um, a, a 2.2 aperture, uh, but still the, a bit of 12 megapixel sensor. And they've done a lot of work to make sure that it has more focus pixels. And also, even though that sensor is bigger and the aperture is the same, it'll still work well in low light. Um, and the video now will record in, in 4K in 30 frames per second. Um, the video on the 6S Plus now has optical image stabilization the same as the photo. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. You know, just basically from a spec perspective, it's a really nice upgrade. And, and then, of course, a, a, four, a 3D touch. Uh, which is which is to me the the real standout feature. Yeah, um, yeah I'm gonna have some questions about that. I, I'm yes. really intrigued. But go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So no. So you know, there's 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 the 6s and then the 6s plus. Uh, they also come in different colors now. So the the big one, obviously being pink. Excuse me, rose gold, or <laughs> as as I called it in my piece. If if this is the way you can think about it, if the um, gold iPhone is really more like a champagne, then this rose gold is rosé. So. Uh, but, but it's very pink and it's fantastic. I love it. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, women are going to love it. People in China are going to love it. Men, you might like it. You know, some of them might, some of them might not. I don't really care. Men I should come around to it. It is beautiful. I don't care. I'm getting the pink iPhone. So, you know, what I'm worried about is I want that too, but, uh, I, I tend to get a phone and then trade it down to my husband the next yes, year, you know, same, and I'm, same. I'm wondering how he's going to feel about uh, that. This is how I feel too. And, yeah. and but but it's it's I mean now they have that that uh, that kind of a leasing program or not right. a leasing program but the buyer's program 
frankly, I'm feeling like I can just give Grant the phone on a case and he can deal. Yeah, there there are tons of cases out there. He'll, he, he can manage it. Plus, you have time to warm him up to it because you're going to be yeah. using it a lot. So this is true so so um, christina i have to ask you about 3d touch so yes. um i have i've for a long time been worried that ios is becoming too complicated for normal people so i remember like sitting down with my friend janice and trying to show her how to use siri and she just just doesn't want to do that like she's one of the scores of people that um yeah she's just a normal person using an iphone and you know like my husband frank i was trying to show him how to connect uh his iphone to uh my beats pill and he had never in his entire life seen the the swipe up feature to like get to your you know shortcut menu with that so um you know i i think that power users of which the press and all of us here are obviously part of that i think that we forget there are a lot of people out there that are just um normal people so um you know like swiping up from the bottom of the screen to to you know get to this sub menu that is something that I think would not confuse a normal person through UI. But I can imagine with 3D Touch, sometimes you're going to be, you know, activating it. I I just see it like confusing normal people. Like, hey, I'm just trying to launch my app. Why are all these quick look things coming up? Like, do you think that's a legit worry? How do you I, feel about that? I think it is. But I also think, so let's first back up and tell people what 3D Touch is. Absolutely. So 3D Touch is basically force touch on the 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 new trackpads and uh, force touch on, on the Apple watch. So basically what it is, is that rather than how long you press, it's how hard you press on the screen. And when you press harder, if you press like almost like a half press, like a, like a, I think Gruber described it as like a half press on a camera, it'll bring up this feature that they call um, peak. And what that'll do is kind of be like quick look and give you like a preview of everything you're, you're wanting to see. So if you're on a photo in the, the, the camera roll, it'll show you the photo. If you're in an email, it'll let you read the email. If you're clicking on a link in iMessage, it'll show you a preview of what that link looks like. If you press down on it harder, it'll actually pop you. It's called, it'll do a feature called pop, which will actually pop you directly into whatever app that is. So if it's, you know, Safari for the link or the calendar or, um, you know, going full screen to the photo or directly into the message. And uh, one of the great features of iOS 9 is they make it really easy to get back to the last app you were in by having a little top button that says, you know, back to messages or back to mail or back to photos. If you um you know jump in from, from from another app if you're if you're um I guess linked through another app, um without having to use the uh, home button. Interesting. So, so um, I'm with you. So so the idea is basically you know it's I described it in my piece as basically being Quick Look for um, iOS and Quick Look on the Mac. If you're not familiar, is one of my favorite features. It's been around since 2007, and basically if you click on a file, uh, you press the space bar. You for other keys too it'll give you a preview of what that file looks like and it works for all kinds of stuff so you know photos is one of my favorite features for it you can literally like be in a uh, you know folder full of photos press quick look press the space bar and then cycle through photos with the um you know um navigation keys mm -hmm. and see previews uh, you can see a pdf document word document um i've got ones for different like markdown documents to render you know, um, there are things for all kinds of apps. And, and it basically lets you see, it'll play video automatically, play music um, when you press the space bar. It doesn't make you open up the full app. You can just see what's happening. And that's what this is doing. In addition, um, some apps are, are using 
uh, 3D touch to be able to invoke certain options. Options. So if you um, you know do a 3D touch on an app icon on the on the home screen for mm-hmm. something like Facebook or Instagram. Facebook will bring you some options to say, hey, I can directly go to post status update or check in my location or take a photo. Or if I'm in Instagram, it'll let me go directly to my inbox for for you know for, for Instagram direct or directly go to the post a photo screen or go to my likes. Uh, if I'm in um, you know the music app, I can immediately go to search or play beats one or um, you know continue playing whatever my last mm-hmm. song was. And this is all stuff that's very similar to kind of like what Launch Center Pro um, and, and and Workflow have done, but it's built in. Um, but 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 to Bree's point about how hard it is for regular users to discover, I think that's a valid concern. Um, I think this is an area where Apple's going to have to do a lot of um, education, both in their ads, like they did for the multi-touch stuff, mm-hmm. and I think where developers are going to have to probably do some stuff in the startup to those apps when they have those features. Um, Oh, go on. No, 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 I'm done. (laughs) I'm curious, is 3D Touch and Force Touch, is the difference just in the name or is it because of the, it has a different action? I mean, because it it invokes those peaks and pops. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a different name, but it's the same technology. Okay. I have Uh, to say 3D Touch is, it's a far better name, I feel. Yeah, it really gives you an image of what you're actually doing. Yeah, it helps educate, right? Like 3D touch, it kind of, it gives you a feeling on that. You know, and Christian, my, um, I have a piece, uh, this, this month coming out for MacLife and it's, it's talking about how, you know, I think a lot about UI for my job and, um, you know, one of the biggest problems with iPhone games is, you know, a controller gives you tactical feedback for touching the buttons and it gives you like gradients of control. Um, you know, on the PS3 controller, for instance, it's not just the triggers that are force sensitive, it's actually the X buttons as well. Like depending on how far you push them, push them down like that, that um, it can detect that. So um, do you think having played with it, that the sensitivity is going to be good enough that um, like say if I'm playing a racing game, real racing on iPhone, that I could control the 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 pedal by how far I'm pushing down on the touch screen like does it seem like it's a very gradiated sense of control yes it does and what's great too is you mentioned kind of getting feedback on on the PlayStation and you do get haptic feedback so mm-hmm. when you're pressing in on something that it has an action or if it doesn't have an option you'll feel a tiny bit of vibration um, and, and I think that they're, they're they're doing this you know with some sort of motor that's that's very small and, and, and reacts to kind of the slightest a touch. So yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is something you can kind of feel the difference in. And it's not something, I didn't get the sense this is something you're going to invoke accidentally. You know, and as I said, it, it's how hard you're pressing. It's not how long you're pressing. So it's not going to change anything in terms of like the long press, you know, to, to wiggle, wiggle your app icons or other mm. stuff that we're used to. Um, it, it's how hard you're pressing. Um, I think there are going to be some challenges for people to kind of like let people discover this feature. But I honestly think it's one of those things that once you know it's there, you're going to start ex- expecting that apps support it. So for instance, things like links, I'm expecting, you know, anytime I see a, a link and I want to see a preview of something, I'm going to be able to, to you know, do 3D touch and see what it looks like. Um, anytime I see any sort of data thing, you know, like, 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 like a calendar name or a photo, I'm going to expect that. And obviously it's going to work in the core apps um, straight out of the gate. They have d- developer APIs, so developers will be able to build stuff into their own apps. But it'll take some time for it to get rolled out. But I think that as these phones start to trickle out, um, this will be one of those things that 
um, people are just going to start to kind of accept. It's kind of like a right-click menu. There are plenty of people, if you believe it or not, that still don't really know how to use the right-click window uh, m- menu on the Mac or on Windows. And that's a shame, and that sucks, but it's, but, it's, but, but it's a necessary feature for power users. So the way I look at this is I think that the way the developers should approach this is you need to make your, you know, your whole thing accessible if someone's not going to use this, right? Because there's still going to be millions and millions and millions of people who don't have 3D Touch. So you need to still make your apps work without it, but you need to have the feature there so that when people do figure out how to use it, whether they upgrade their phone or they discover it or whatnot, they'll be delighted and understand why it's such a great feature. So I guess my other question for you would be, um, you know, we kind of touched on the camera very briefly. Um, So I, it, it seems like every single time, because the camera is such an important feature in the iPhone, Apple comes out, they have an event, they hire professional photographers to come out and like hype up the camera. And every single time I'm going like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Um, You know, and Christine, I remember you writing about how the six plus image stabilization feature, um, you know, for the last version, the six was very exciting to you until we got actual people going through, you know, verifying the results and found there was no you know, perceptible difference in that. Do you think, like, the the stuff they were talking about um, in the the conference about stopping pixel crosstalk, that seemed very compelling to me. Do you think this is going to be an actual phone upgrade? I mean, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, again, I think that, you know, people, and and as Apple has shown with their shot on an iPhone campaign, people are doing some amazing photography on the iPhone already. Absolutely. Um, some of the best stuff out there. But the reality is, you know, it's an 8-megapixel sensor. And um, when you want to be able to kind of zoom in, you know, a little more, when you want to have a little more detail, it's nice to have more pixels. So I do think that there will be some even better photographs. And, and, and just, you know, some of the demos I saw and some of the things I saw um, kind of looking up close at the photo process were really impressive to me. I'm not going to know until I have more full-on hands-on time with the camera, but I was really impressed, especially with the color reproduction, and I even noticed the speed. One of the interesting things, um, in addition to the rear camera, which, I mean, it does look like it's a significant upgrade, and from everything I've read and the leaks leading up to this, the sensor that Sony is, that, that, that you know, they got from Sony is a, just a fantastic you know, sensor. Um, and, and Apple obviously does really good things on their end on their software to make the colors accurate. They, what they do um, versus some other companies is they try to reproduce what you're seeing with your eye versus trying to maybe make, um, you know, judgment calls for how things are better. So you can even have, I mean, it's an interesting thing where you could even, I, in, in kind of a theoretical world, you could have almost the same sensor and the software of the way that the, the, two, you know, two different companies handle the camera could be very different. Um, Apple tries to lean towards being very natural um, and, and not, um, you know, doing kind of the, the, the face tune effect of, of kind of smoothing people's faces um, mm-hmm. and, and, and maybe making them look a little photoshopped, which on the surface might look okay, but you're not really looking more accurate. They try to be, you know, um, less um, harsh when it comes to automatically um, you know, over sharpening or over blurring. Yeah. They, they, but, they try but that's to leave very it up surprising to the human to hand me. to do that. That's that's very surprising to me. You're saying that, Christina, because like at the at the event itself, they're going like, and we handed some photographers some iPhones to go through, and they're like taking pictures of places I've been thousand times like san francisco right (laughs) and the colors are so saturated and so vibrant and you know i know the photographer tricks of like going out during the golden hour you know like a certain thing 
But I'm I'm sitting there watching that, and I'm like, I've been there a hundred times. I've never seen those colors in real life. And there was obviously <laughs> color processing on it or something. Oh, like I'm that. sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, you know, they had some photos they were showing that they claimed had come just off the camera, hadn't been edited, that looked more you know, realistic, but also, I mean, let's be real when they're taking these things out, they're not maybe doing post-processing, but they are having lots of light setups and, sure, sure. Uh, and, and, and other stuff. Um, but, um, you know, but, but I, I do tend to find when I compare iPhone cameras to others that their, their color accuracy tends to be a lot more natural. You know, they tend to be less blue. Um, you know, the, the skin colors tend to be more accurate. You see, tend to see, you know, colors look as they do in real life. Um, if you were to compare the two side by side, but it's kind of a judgment call which one you prefer. I, I prefer more natural and I, I can alter things in post rather than having it changed for me automatically by the camera. Um, one big thing is that the so the, the rear camera is obviously, you know, the eyesight camera is obviously getting a big upgrade, but the front facing camera that is, is now five megapixel. Um, and so that's going to be a lot better for, for people taking selfies. I mean, they don't <laughs> put as much. They obviously don't put as much into the into the sensor for the front facing camera. But this is something they needed to frankly catch up with the rest oh, of yeah. the industry on. Um, but what I do think is really interesting, and I got to test this out a little bit, was they've taken their flash technology that they use on the rear camera and they've put it on the front of the camera. Um, but, it, but they haven't put a flash on the front of the camera. What they've done is they are actually using the Retina display to recreate that flash technology. So they're speeding, they're, they're basically brightening the screen by three times, but they're using different types of colors for that screen based on kind of your environment so it can light up your your face the that right way. Yeah. So awesome. I can't wait to test that out with my the beautiful selfies that I'm absolutely <laughs> going to take. Well, they soon. will be gorgeous. Absolutely. <laughs> so this episode yeah. of Rocket is brought to you by Braintree, code for easy online payments. If you're a mobile app developer, check out Braintree. It is the payment solution used by companies like Uber, Airbnb, Hotel Tonight, Living Social, and Munchery. Braintree has made the payment experiences in these apps seamless and magical and now you can add similar experiences in your own app. With excellent customer service and simple integration, Braintree gets you ready to receive payments quickly. Braintree's continuous support plus fast payouts means you'll be prepared as your company grows from your first dollar to your billionth. Braintree is also helping solve the problem of mobile cart abandonment by offering a best-in-class mobile checkout experience, and they make payment experiences in some of your favorite apps seamless and magical, so now you can add similar experiences to your own app. Braintree gives you a full-stack payment solution, support for all payment types your customers might want, including PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, cards, and more, all with a single integration. It is with you across all platforms, with superior fraud protection and fantastic customer service and fast payouts. If you want to learn more for your fir- and also for your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free, please go to braintreepayments.com slash rocket. braintreepayments.com slash rocket. $50,000 is a lot of money. I know. I want- yeah, it, it is. It's like the- those fees are killer too, so I'm really glad that they... And not like in in general, in a general sense. Every time I see them, I'm like, sad day. But that's really cool that they offer so much without charging you. (laughs) So we have so much freaking news from today. Um, What do we want to do next? We want to do the iPad Pro next or we don't want to do Apple TV next? Let's do iPad Pro. Let's do iPad Pro. Yeah. 
Oh my god. Okay, so the iPad Pro that's coming out in November, right? Late October. Late October. Okay, yeah. There's another thing that's coming out in November. I can't remember. iPad Pro is coming out in late October. It is going to be freaking massive. It's going to be <laughs> 12.9 inches. It was it like 5.6 million pixels. So it's like on par with, was it the 15-inch MacBook Pro with Retina? Yeah, that sounds about right. Sounds yeah, they about say, right. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, they said it's like more. It, it's <laughs> insane or something. Uh, no, it, it's a ridiculous resolution. It's like 2782 by 2024 <laughs> or something. Um, 12.9 inches. It's a humongous screen. It is a little bit thicker you know, than the current um, mm-hmm. uh, iPad Air 2, which obviously, I mean, it's, it should be. It's a gigantic, huge slab of glass. Yeah, I hope so. And it weighs... It weighs a tiny bit more than the original iPad did at 1.57 pounds. Yeah. But a, well, but again, because it's so big, it doesn't feel heavy. Um, I so mean, the it's weight actually, is kind of evenly spread out. With yes, it, it, I mean, it feels I mean, solid. It, yeah, I mean, it's with the the this uh, the the smart keyboard. Um, it's I would say probably about the same weight as the new MacBook. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so the I think I think the really interesting thing that came out of the iPad Pro discussion was of course the Apple Pencil yeah. which there were a lot of interesting reactions it, it brought back that conversation that we had I think when they were we, there was the first rumor about them doing a stylus where um, we had that discussion about how Steve Jobs hated styluses but then you know that was a different time and there was a really smart I thought editorial on The Verge about kind of the 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 context of Steve Jobs saying that he didn't want a stylus about how that was for the original iPhone when touchscreens right. were kind of awful and so you know that's a 3.5 inch phone and he wanted and it had a much more responsive touchscreen than other touchscreens of the time so right we've come a long way in technology then both in in terms of screens and in terms of styluses plus you know you still don't see stylus is being used on iPhones and this is a a huge device that will it would be really hard to cover that surface with your finger especially doing things like design work doing any kind of art doing any kind of and I mean even taking notes writing like having a stylus for this device I think will be very very useful and the Apple Pencil is beautiful (laughs) well I mean this is where I have a lot to say about this I mean yeah I don't want to hear your thoughts I just want to make one quick correction as Simone had earlier said uh November and I corrected her and said late October it is November so I was wrong anyway go on whoa talk 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 Brie I don't even believe it I don't even believe it no um (laughs) what I was gonna say is uh you know as someone that's used a Cintiq a lot professionally particularly for ZBrush work um, I think this is really, really, really interesting. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I think the question is if they can get software to bring over to it that's really going to be up to snuff. Because, you know, like you said, Simone, this does weigh as much as, you know, the MacBook One. Mm-hmm. So I, I know, I mean, Christina, I can't be the only one looking at it and saying, you know, I need a travel device. Do I want the iPad Pro with the smart keyboard or do I want, like, you know, the MacBook One? Totally. So, like, well, what yeah. I, and Yeah. And to what be honest, thing, that was my yeah. thought with it as well, was if I'm getting a device on which I want to do work. Do I want a computer or which do one I do you want? Get? Yeah, a tablet. Go on, Brie. No. Yeah, no, go no, ahead. I totally it's agree fun. with you guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess what I was going to say is I feel like it it will kind of live and die based on software. And, you know, um, my friend Ben Thompson was sharing a link last night of – you know, frankly, some software developers. And I, I don't want to bring them into it and, you know, get them into a drama thing with Apple, but they have some 
software that would be really, 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 really good for the iPad Pro with, you know, the Apple Pen. So, you know, and they've been asked, like, will you bring this over? And, you know, this is the kind of super professional first-party software, I mean, third-party software that the, the iPad Pro really needs to be able to compete. And they were looking at it and saying, look, let's just talk about some, some numbers and some math, okay? So the iPad is, let's be straight up, is not you know the biggest selling division anymore now we know that some people will be able to buy this will buy this and use this but we have to look at this and say okay it's going to cost us x number of dollars to bring this over to ipad pro and redo all the interface support are they going to sell enough ipad pros to justify it for us is there going to be a market for us to charge the premium that this software deserves? Because you know we don't believe that the iPad market is something where price it lower and the volume will make up for it. We don't believe that's necessarily true anymore. Mm. And you know we feel like the iPad um, software market has been so um, deflated in, in in processes that we don't feel like we could make money doing this. And I was really thinking about what a sad moment that was for Apple and how tragic when they've got like the people they need to be bringing onto the store the most to make this, you know, this new sexy Apple device worth it. And, you know, they're looking and saying, we can't make money. Right. And I think that's a valid, I think that's a valid issue. I mean, I think that what's interesting about this and you guys are dead on when you were both saying, you know, that I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be questioning should I get the new MacBook, the MacBook One, as Marco calls it, or should I get the iPad Pro? And it is going to all come down to software fundamentally. It's all going to come down to, mm -hmm. you know, what I need my use case for. And and this is very clearly, I mean, obviously, they're not wanting to build this as a purely pro device, but this is a pro device. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, I mean, it, it's in the name, but I, I don't feel like they want to exclude people. They're talking about the gaming plat the capabilities. Yeah. This is not really going to be a gaming device. No, you know, people, no, you you might watch. You're going to be watching video on it, but it's so big, and, and, and especially with Apple Pencil and with the, the keyboard. You know, this is really uh, designed as kind of a work device. And I think that actually is interesting for some developers if they can kind of get into that ecosystem and, and reach that target audience of, of professionals who want this app. And that's going to be the hard thing, right? Because you're right, Brie, like this is not selling. iPad doesn't sell what it used to. And certainly the price point of, of for, for lay people for buying an app on, um, you know, for the iPad, um, they expect to pay less than they pay for a Mac app. Um, and frankly, in this case, you know, that wouldn't really be justified. If you have a really mm -hmm. good app, you're very clearly probably going to want to charge, um, you know, adequately for it, especially if you're putting desktop class features for this desktop class processor in it. Um, and I think that's going to be a challenge they have. I think that one of the advantages they have is that they're getting Adobe to make apps basically just for it. Absolutely. Microsoft, yeah. Microsoft is putting a lot into this. You know, they mentioned AutoCAD, you know, they, uh, you know, for, for um, AutoCAD 360. I think if they can get more of those uh, companies as well as really kind of leverage that Cisco and, and, and um, IBM partnership, um, they can probably do well with this. But I think that this is going to be a more niche thing. But I could, for instance, see Omni doing really well with having a really highly optimized version of, of OmniGraffle, you know, for the iPad Pro. Yeah. Um, I, I could see, you know, if at some point, if, if, if the sketch guys wanted 
to look into it, this would be a, a valid, you know, product to kind of look at. Um, yeah, but it yeah. is going to require an investment, and I would understand why people would be hesitant to do that. And so mm-hmm. I just don't have the answers. Except well, I to think say we're going to have to wait, enough. right? Yeah, I agree. Like, I've used exactly. my Cintiq so much, and you know, I think we're going to have to wait to see how the Adobe apps are when they come out. Like if, if what you know, if there's a vector drawing experience that is comparable to, you know, what I can create in Illustrator. And, you know, like I paid my rent for a lot of years using Adobe Illustrator. Like I would, that would be the point that I would say, I don't want MacBook One. I think this is, this will do something new that I don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I think well, yeah, like, I and I have, have to say, to cause Christine, cap. like you're talking about 3D stuff and AutoCAD. I'm telling you as a professional, it is impossible for me to imagine how AutoCAD would work well. It's not a computational <laughs> thing. Went. It is a three-button mouse. Like, for instance, if I want to just pan left over something in AutoCAD, like, you've got to hold down Alt and hold down MMB <laughs> and then be in the right menu and then use a mouse and scroll over. And it's really hard for me to imagine that working, but I, I hope it does. So I think, like, for me... Um, I don't know how you all feel, but I am not going to buy one of these. Like this is a, a product I absolutely am going to wait on mm. and see what the reviews are when it comes out. And again, like um, you know, ZBrush is so computationally expensive. And just to tell our listeners if they're not 3D people. So if you play Gears of War, if you play any modern game, a ZBrush pass is part of a modern pipeline. So when you see a skeletal mesh like an Infinity Blade and it has this look to it like it's um like it's a clay figure and someone has like gone into it and like sculpted all this beautiful detail into it, well, that's what we call ZBrush. So mm-hmm. it's this thing where you load up um a, a mesh and then you paint uh pixels into it so like you're you're it's like it's a piece of clay so you're faking with a normal map um all this fine detail into an object um yeah this is something you practically have to have a cintiq for so you know, you're buying a macbook i mean a mac pro and then you're buying a cintiq and it's getting pretty expensive if zbrush were to support this even if it worked in a more rudimentary way um a lot of studios would absolutely be ponying up for that so i think it's really going to come down to software yeah, yeah i think it's going to come down to software um i do think that there is something to be said about some of the things you can do I mean, even, you know, Apple's talked about the GPU on this thing. I think in a lot of ways, it's probably going to be better than what you get on comparably, comparably priced laptops. Uh, it's not going to be as good as a Mac Pro. It's not going to be good as a, as, as a MacBook Pro, but it's probably going to be better than a MacBook Air, frankly, uh, better than the new MacBook, better than some other things. And so there are some things I think they can take advantage of with, you know, kind of the ARM architecture, um, especially with some of the GPU things they've done that... that open up interesting possibilities. What was interesting was seeing, you know, the demos that they had on stage, you know, with some of the um, uh, uh, medical stuff, you know, for, for um, you know, using kind of the, the 3D tooling for, you know, the, the medical industry and, and using it for, um, you know, teaching med students and, and, and going, you know, directly in on, on models in real time and, and making changes to, you know, a, a tear on a meniscus and, and showing this is how this might be and then looking at, at mm-hmm. all the angles and, and 3D. You know, again, I mean, I think that this is kind of going to be a specialized product. It's all going to come down to software and that's what's going to make or break this. But I think what's compelling to me about this is that we've spent the last five years 
talking about how the iPad is primarily a consumption tool and yes, you can create things with it and, and people, you know, like, 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 like Federico certainly do, but most of us use it to watch movies, browse the web, yep. answer emails, you know, and, and, and it is kind of a, a consumption device. This is the first time that we're really seeing them go into that creation aspect. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is kind of the, where we're really seeing the merging of OS 10 and iOS. Cause what I kept asking myself when I was looking at the iPad pro, both when they were revealing it. And then when I was kind of playing with it, I was asking, why is this running iOS and not OS 10? Hmm. And I think that there are valid reasons for it to be running iOS. I think that the touch aspect is is one of those things that just, you know, they haven't brought to OS 10 for good reason. And I think that there are just some, some you know, advantages they can take advantage of on that side. But it is all going to, you know, software is going to make or break this thing. Um, I think that having the big partnerships from the beginning is good. I would like to see Adobe you know, really, I, mean, I like that they're bringing, you know, a sketch um, and, and some of their other tools, you know, directly to this thing. I would like to see them maybe focus more on some of their flagships um, mm-hmm. and, and making that experience better. I think the fact that the Microsoft is working heavily with it uh, for, for Office 365 is is is, is important. Um, when they were talking about how you can edit, you know, uh, four tracks of video, you know, in, in iMovie, um, obviously that's not going to be something that will replace what a professional can do in Final Cut. But that's still really impressive for kind of a portable machine. And, and, and at this point, I wouldn't be surprised Definitely. if you could do a better job editing video, um, at least from a computational aspect on the iPad Pro than you could yeah. on, say, a MacBook yeah. or a MacBook Air. I'd love yeah. to try it personally. It's yeah. interesting that the comment that you made earlier, Brianna, about people willing being willing to pay more for apps on the desktop computer rather than on tablets. It's such an interesting, I guess, mental divide for me, the, the, the idea that, tablets are almost ephemeral and that apps on on mobile devices should we would, aren't worth as much as apps on desktop which you know from a maybe from a functional aspect like with something like premiere sure that's that's legit but i, I wonder if this is the device since it will be mainly used by people wanting to do complicated things people who are professionals people who are creators i wonder if these will be the people who will be willing to pay more for apps and kind of create a, a more profitable ecosystem for apps on this device. I think Apple has, you know, Apple makes its money through selling hardware. And I think Apple has unfortunately trained consumers that software on their platforms is not worth much money. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, developers have talked about this problem for a long time. And with all respect to Apple, I don't think they've solved it in the way that um, they need to. No, um, And if I could say one more thing, yeah. Um, yeah, Christina, <laughs> I... I, I have to be straight with you. Like, I hear what you're saying about, oh, this weighs as much as the original iPad. Um, and, you know, but that's because the screen is so much bigger. I have to tell you, like, I picked up an iPad Air 2 the other day at the Apple store. And picking it up, it felt unacceptably heavy to me. Um, you know, that's because, like, I'm used to my iPhone 6 plus so and i i tell you sometimes at the office i go back and I play with the original ipad and it, it really does feel like a brick to me now i understand yeah. that there are laws of physics or whatever <laughs> <laughs> but you know i i i have to be straight with you when apple says on stage like and you'll want to hold it all day long no. that just sounds like crap to me and i i don't it is impossible for me to imagine laying back on the couch and really surfing with this device. I, I, I just agree with I that. don't understand it, right? No, I mean, I, and again, I think that that's why 
even most of the the video reel that they showed i mean you know they had people kind of obviously like like sitting back but not like laying down holding it in front of them like like they did with the original ipad you know um i mean it, it's it's not something i don't think it's going to make it's not going to be overly heavy but this is one of those things i mean look they're, they're bringing out a freaking keyboard for it which we haven't even talked about yet um oh, God. you know and 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 they're 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 very much positioning this i think as something that you have on a stand and that you use uh you know, kind of in 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 a in an interesting position. You know, you use similar to a Cintiq, um, mm-hmm. and and you know, the Cintiq is is not one of those things you would want to lay back and 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 on the couch with. You know, it's something you're kind of hunched over, and um, so it's uh, I don't know. It, it'll, it'll be interesting. I, I I will say um, just one real quick thing on the software pricing, and then we can move on. Sure. I do think that um. They have an opportunity here to kind of reset things. And you're right. Apple has basically not really done anything to incentivize developers to charge more because the whole rating system for the longest time was really based on downloads and, and obviously free and, and, and cheap would, would be higher than that. But mm-hmm. I have a feeling that if, if they can maybe work with developers from the outset and if they can come out and say, look, you're paying for the 200, for the 128 gigabyte version and, and for the... Um, you know, if you get the the keyboard and you get the the pencil, you're paying twelve hundred dollars for this device. Spending fifty or hundred dollars on an app that's going to actually work with your workflow is is not outrageous. They have an opportunity to reset that. I hope they take that. But I, I I'm with you in that I'm not really confident that'll happen. Right. Ken, before we move on, can I ask you just a very quick question, Christina? Sure. Like you use the MacBook One because you got to review it for Mashable. Yes. Um, I've heard that the iPad Pro keyboard um, is comparable to the MacBook One. So I guess um, yes. two very quick questions. What was your impression of the keyboard if you used it? And also, you know, the gorilla arm problem that Steve Jobs famously described, you know, there's no pointing device in an iPad Pro the way there is with, um, you know, the, the, the Microsoft Surface. So, right. Um, I guess my question is like, is the keyboard okay? And, you know, do you think Gorilla Arm is going to be a problem with this? Uh, I thought the keyboard was great. Um, it does. I mean, it, the, 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 you know, the travel is almost exactly the same as on the new MacBook. They're using, I think, kind of the same, you know, mechanism for, for the keycaps. Um, it's got this interesting kind of, uh, you know, uh, fabric cover, which feels good and is apparently resistant to stains and spills. Um, it's, I think it's smart that it's not using Bluetooth. They're actually using this smart connector they have. Uh, so I wasn't actually trying to be uh, punny when I said smart. I didn't remember mm-hmm. that it was called a smart connector. Uh, but but it's it, you know it does data and power uh, through um, th- this connector that it kind of snaps into, and so it doesn't use Bluetooth. So it's there's not any latency. What's interesting about the the Gorilla Arm problem, I think that's a valid thing. But one of the interesting things that they've done with iOS nine, and this is even available on uh, the uh, you know keyboard. Um, otherwise, is that you can kind of um, it, obviously, this won't work with a third-party keyboard, although I could see maybe in the future them having uh, capacitive uh, keys for that way, way, is that if you're typing on it, you know, you can um, kind of create a, a mouse experience for, for selecting your cursor. I do think that there will be, for certain people, there's going to be some issue with not having a pointing device. I mean, it is, uh, I, th- I think, the case there. Uh, I, I don't know. I I, I'm going to have to spend more time with it because I just really didn't have enough time in the demo area. So it'll probably be, you know, I'll, I'll let you know in November. Yeah, I, I'd love to follow <laughs> up with this. 
All right. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Casper. Casper is our favorite online retailer of premium, premium mattresses that you can get for a fraction of the price that you'll find in stores because they're cutting out the middleman there. You don't have to go to the store and spend hours lying on every single mattress. You just go to Casper's website and you find exactly the mattress that you want and they will send it to your house. And you get. Can I say something about this? Yeah, please do. Casper is bringing. Uh, they got a freaking 18 wheeler and they build it with beds, altered 18 wheelers, segmented beds. And what? Put, put, yeah. So <laughs> then they're driving this truck through Boston where you get to go lay on a Casper bed. So I am, I'm a busy woman, but I'm going to try to find time to like go do that and lay in one of their office. That's beds. why we're trying to rush through this episode. So you yeah, can go yeah, lie on so a Casper bed. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So yeah, you can try the mattress out for a 100-day period and return it for free, and they have free delivery. So basically, I don't know why you're not trying out their new, resilient, and long-lasting supportive comfort mattresses in your home, because you could get one. You might fall in love, and it'll you'll be with it every night. Um, Casper's mattresses <laughs> are their memory oh, foam and Casper latex. Casper mattress, I've waited for you so long. You I know. Kick Casper Frank mattress. out. Kick the dogs out. Just stick with the mattress. Yeah. <laughs> that's so what Casper, she said oh, <laughs> please let me live my life christina casper mattresses are 500 dollars for a twin size mattress 750 for a full 850 for a queen so they're they're so much more affordable than mattresses that you would find in stores they really understand that buying a mattress in a store is a pain so they do everything they can to make it a risk-free and pain-free experience for you and of course, they freaking inflate in front of your very eyes when you take them out of the box because they're vacuum-packed. It's awesome. Um, so if you, our dear, dear listeners, want to get $50 towards any mattress purchase, you can visit casper.com rocket and use the code rocket and receive the mattress of your dreams. And every night when you're going to sleep, you'll whisper, thank you, Simone. Thank you. <laughs> into your mattress which will be your one true love um and yeah thank you casper for supporting this show and supporting all of relay fm i already do that for you know the show like, you do yeah, oh that's I so do. nice i do it's very thank true you. it's very true can we talk about apple tv guys? i want to talk yes. about apple tv yeah. okay yeah. So the Apple TV announcement was very exciting for me because of all the gaming stuff. So I think the the two of the really big things that they've done with Apple TV are that they've changed up the chip inside. So it's now the it, correct me if I'm wrong. It was an A5 before, and now it's the same A8 that's in the iPhone six. That's correct. That is correct. Cool. And they have a totally new remote, which is looks about 10,000 times better than the old one. And you'll have to tell me how it is, Christina. But basically, the new remote, it has Bluetooth, so you don't need to aim it specifically at the TV. You can just use the press it on, press it however you wish. It has a glass touch surface on top that you can use to navigate. And it actually can control the input and volume of your TV, which is very awesome to me because yep. throwing around remotes is a pain in the butt. Um, so tell me how that, how that worked in real life. Cause it, it, it did look, it looked, they made it look really easy to navigate just by swiping and flipping through all the apps and stuff. But, yes. um, I was worried that, you know, that figuring out when to stop and when to press and stuff would be complicated. So how did it work in real life? 
uh, it worked really well. You know, I mean, I didn't have a lot of time with the remote, but it worked really well. And it kind of has, you know, that same kind of momentum sort of thing by, you know, the, if you flick really hard, it'll scroll through really quickly. If, if you mm-hmm. flick, you know, softer, it'll go kind of one at a time. And you can kind of stop things with your finger. Uh, so I would kind of compare it, I guess, in a lot of ways to the capacitive, um, uh, you know, uh, touchpad that's on the PlayStation 4 controller. Okay. Nice. So train in the background. That was a train in the background. Yes, it was. Sorry about that. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Thanks, Portland. (laughs) Seriously. So So, I, I I mean, using this, I, Christian, I, I'm gonna have some questions on the gaming side, but yeah, um, I think I love Apple TV. I really do. I have no cable in my house. Very deliberately, we use it for MLB, HBO, Netflix, (laughs) you name it. Um, I have a lot of problems with the current version of Apple TV. And I think the biggest one is remote latency, yeah. which yeah. is god awful. And you'll push a button and you literally wait like probably half a second to a second for things to, to come back. So when they're trying to do Siri through it and um, all this other stuff, I am understandably skeptical so my, yes. my biggest question to you is how is the latency latency i i did not notice any and again you know but they had us kind of in controlled demos so mm-hmm. it, we won't know until we get the real product but i would say i think that what the biggest difference is that you know the old apple tv i think was still using bluetooth 2.0 i don't even think it was at 4.0 yet and so that was one of the reasons i think there was some latency this is significantly um, uh, faster and newer technology. You know, the current Apple TV is three and a half years old, and I don't know if they did anything on the latency for the for the remote. Mm-hmm. So that might even be like five years old if we're being real. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's been so so it's it, it seemed that I did not have any issue with. I would also say that having used the Amazon Fire TV for more than a year, that also has a Bluetooth remote that also does voice control, um, that has very little latency. So if if Amazon could do that a year and a half ago. Um, I, I, I'm not, I, I would be, and Amazon doesn't have the best track record for hardware stuff. No. I would be, I would be, um, surprised if Apple didn't improve on that. That is very, I mean, it can't be worse, right? It can't be worse. Yeah, there no, we go. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I had some interesting emotions when they first talked about how games would be on Apple TV and I, I liked what they showed, but I'm still, I feel like the consumers who are buying the Apple TV and also playing games on their phones are not necessarily the people who are going to want to play those games on the television. I feel like they're the people who are playing games on their phones while they're watching TV. And so I'm not I'm not totally convinced that this is going to make a big change for those people, like the the middle-aged people who are cable cutters, etc. Um, but it is interesting to me that they're doing so much with multiplayer, like having multiplayer yes. Crossy Road, multiplayer Beat Sports from Harmonix. And that I think, and I, I wrote this in on Pixelkin, I think that that is kind of a, a door that they are opening because those people are much more likely, I think, to take over a television to play games if it is a game with someone else, someone that they know, someone who's right there with yes. them. Can, can I say so, something about this? Because yeah, sure. this is where it gets into my area of you know, professional expertise. Um, I am beyond disappointed with what Apple brought out on the game front. And, you know, mm-hmm. like, I want to go through some of the reasons why. Uh, so, you know, Susie Oryx over at uh, Macworld, you know, she was, I was talking to her, she got a, a hands-on with it. And, you know, it really feels like they designed the controller to be first and foremost a device 
for watching TV on, which makes mm-hmm. sense. That's Apple's primary mission objective. But, you know, ergonomically, it looks terrible for playing games. Like, the sure. buttons are okay. The biggest problem is, you know, Apple's, like, pumping up and saying, like, oh, universal binaries, you can buy it once and play it anywhere. But because of the because of the touchscreen, um, you know, it's not going to really translate well. Like, the mm-hmm. touchscreen is a square. So, like, your interface directions are not going to, you know, come really naturally. I think it is so telling. It is so telling. So, so, so telling that the harmonics game that they brought out was not anything. It was a very simple, mm-hmm. dumbed-down, cute little music game, which looks yeah. perfectly fun to play. But it's obviously an experience that's like kind of simple and tailored to um, you know, that particular device. So yes. I think this is not going to be a games powerhouse for many, many, many reasons. Um, you know, I got a whole lot of dudes on Twitter like explaining to me when I was objecting <laughs> about the, um, the, 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 the size limit. So Apple is going to limit your binaries to 200 megs. And then when you are trying to, um, you know, they, you can kind of circumvent that by um, having things delivered to you from the cloud. And everyone's like, well, Apple came up with the cloud platform. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I want to tell those people, which I hope listen to the show, <laughs> why that's a really mistaken assumption. So, look, if I, game dev is ridiculously expensive. It is ridiculously expensive. So, if I am developing a game, more often than not, you see developers going a multi-platform approach, right? Like Metal Gear Solid came out, um, you know, they tailored it for all these different places. One of the the ways that we get around that is by using engines like Unity or Unreal that are kind of easy to port from place to place. What this is going to force people to do is to, if you want anything of substance, like being over 200 megs, anything beyond this kind of pleasant distraction on your TV, which, you know, I would unfortunately categorize most iOS games as being. It's Mm -hmm. like not real experience, but fun, pleasant distractions. Um, You are going to have to code it entirely with Apple's tools. We've already talked earlier in the show about how Apple has kind of not helped developers recoup their investments. So what this is asking you to do is if you want to make a real game, you can't go do it with the vastly superior adult tools over right. here to bring mm-hmm. it to a lot of different platforms. You have to bet 100% on Apple and structure your entire app around downloading this stuff to make it work on Apple TV, which is just not going to be a very financially feasible vet for a yeah. lot of people there. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I, yeah, please go I, ahead. I, I think that's completely valid. And, and I, I think everything you say is dead on. And and I also agree, you know, with uh, with kind of, uh, you know, looking at the, the controller, it was very much done. You know, the games they showed off with the exception of, a, I guess it was a, a rock band um, where they actually had the, you know, um, uh, the guitar yeah yeah uh, it was rock band or was guitar hero what whichever one whichever one live it's guitar hero live sorry about that i get they're the same <laughs> game uh okay i okay cursed at 55 no that was perfect i like that curse <laughs> uh no my uh, my, uh steven's gonna get mad at me for i know i know um but it, it, it is the same game anyway um you're right. They they've done that. One interesting thing is that it will support the uh, the uh, steel case and I guess the Nico controllers for iPhone. Mm-hmm. They've made yes. So it will they're, support those game making controllers. A, 
Steel Series controller called the Nimbus, which is coming out uh, later, I think October, that will be compatible with iPod Touch, iPhone, iPad, and the Apple TV. Okay, yeah, and that's I have the one to, that I have, to I have to add something in here. Christina, remember the Super Scope 6 when it came out? Oh, yeah. How many third parties supported the Super no one. Scope 6? No one. Okay, <laughs> how about um, other Nintendo um, crazy, ridiculous peripheries? How how often do people typically support No, that? no one. I, I Never. I, well, see, I, that's the thing, is that they're making this third-party controller that's really only going to be bought by people who seriously, seriously want to play games on their Apple TV, but those people aren't going to be playing games on the Apple TV. Right. That's, do you, as a game developer, make assumptions when you sit down and design your interface? We're about yes. to release Rev60 PC. One of our core design assumptions was a lot of games, um, I think mistakenly, because they're developed by hardcore game bros, um, assume that the player is using a desktop computer with an external mouse. We think that's a bad assumption. So we made the assumption you're operating on like a MacBook, you know, something with the trackpad, since most most people use notebooks yes. today. Similarly, <laughs> if you're designing a game, especially in the Apple ecosystem, which for the reasons I just said, mm-hmm. like this is already hyper segmented, right? Yep. You have to design controls for the widest use yes, you case. Do possible Mm -hmm. which is going to be that they're using the native things that everyone owns this is why they've been bringing out these dumb controllers for years i was at gdc a few years ago and they like gave me a free one because they're trying to get people to support it it never (coughs) catches on the reason is the math simply does not work you're you're not wrong i was just simply pointing out that that will be an option but you're not wrong on any of that one thing i'm at curious to ask you guys about because i don't disagree with you on the gaming thing and i also feel like this isn't the only time we're going to see apple tv this year we didn't get a firm release date we didn't get to see some other stuff it was really impressive but it almost seemed almost like a taste um if i'm gonna go ahead and put my money on the fact that i think we're gonna have a second event in october that'll focus even more on apple tv and they'll have more stuff there as well as the mac and maybe the the the, uh, ipad pro again i could be wrong on that it's just a sense that i got i'll Um, take you up on that bet okay (laughs) but 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 i feel like um, it didn't feel like everything was done, <coughs> if that makes any sense. I yeah, felt like the UI yeah. was done, but it didn't feel like the software side stuff, the third-party support was done. What I'm curious about is when I looked at the Apple TV, especially with the multiplayer aspect that, that you both had kind of mentioned, um, I, I couldn't help but think about the fact that the original Nintendo Wii was this great device because it did kind of create the party game atmosphere again. And it was the first time that kind of casual gamers could go back into the living room. Maybe a lot of people, maybe in, in, in five or 10 years where they hadn't really been, you know, they weren't hardcore gamers. They weren't wanting to, um, you know, uh, play the, the, the latest and most graphic, graphically intense games, but they liked to play, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, Wii Tennis and, and, and Mario Golf um, and, and Mario Kart, you know, in the living room with other people. And mm-hmm. it was this great device for that. And and it was great for a lot of years, um, but, you know, they never upgraded to HD and, and it kind of fell out of favor. And the Wii U, I love. I love my Wii U. But um, if I'm honest, you know, it doesn't have that same kind of casual appeal. And, 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 obviously, and obviously price-wise, it doesn't have that kind of casual appeal that the original Wii had. So I mm-hmm. wonder, and maybe it's too late for this, I don't know, but I wonder if the Apple TV has an opportunity to kind of fill that niche for the kind of, as you guys were saying, kind of the casual group game, because honestly, if it's just as a bonus and not as a primary reason to buy something, I think it would be pretty bad. I think it's, I'm pretty excited about being able to play, you know, Crossy Road on the TV. Um, Looking at some of the demos looks really impressive. And I could feel like, especially if I could bring my phone or my iPad as an extra controller, that could be really cool. 
Definitely. Um, I think can, the fact that I, it is oh, a TV yeah. watching machine rather than a specific gaming console, Absolutely. like it, the games will work in its favor in that case because they are just like, oh, that's that's cool. That's a cool extra that I get along with this machine that is geared towards watching television, which is something we all do. Can can I say something about that, guys? Yeah, yeah, of okay, course. So, um, you, Christina, I think. <coughs> Sorry, I'm still waking up. I, I think <laughs> that's a good point. Um, I, I have to say, like, we've all played You Don't Know Jack, right? Yeah, it's the best yeah. game ever. It's a great game. So the Screw PS4 your version, I love it. I love it. So the PS4 version of it, um, they did a really interesting feature. Um, so assuming that you didn't have, like, four PlayStation controllers in your house, they um, actually did a really unique feature to get you to your iPhone like connects to a chat room and you play it there um, on your iPhone. Right. So I've actually played a lot of four player multiplayer using my iPhone. And I got to be straight up with you. There's something that makes you lose the magic of sitting in a room playing games with people. And maybe it would be different with an iPhone game if there were like visual things on screen that you were kind of getting feedback right. with. But um, you don't know Jack, it just lost some of the magic and it's it's hmm. hard to explain. So I don't know. I, I don't know that I, well, I, I didn't play you, you Don't Know Jack with my iPhone, but I played their other games like Drawful and um, yeah. qu- the quiz one. Mm-hmm. I, it was a lot of fun. I don't find that it that it lost the magic for me. I think that it, looking at the Nintendo Wii example, it's interesting because that was that I think had a lot of success also based on the fact that those are such big, recognizable nostalgia properties. But on the other hand, the Apple TV will have the fact that apps are basically universal. Like it will be able to play whatever the big app of the moment is and i think that that will lend some some legitimacy to the gaming on the apple tv but yeah ultimately i i it will it will not be the main attraction of it for me agreed should we are we are we done (laughs) do you have to go brianna she's already gone yeah brianna's already gone there was something else i wanted to say but i have it has left my brain (laughs) did you want to add anything else about the apple tv brianna to wrap up no 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 i i i am i i i just i i think i'll close by saying i'm straight up disappointed in it i was Mm -hmm. really we have at gsx been waiting for a really long time for apple tv to come out and you know i had phone calls on deck with epic to like figure out how we were gonna get it over there supporting q3 i was prepared to tear through the documentation and i just gotta be straight up with you like the the 200 meg limit i can barely deploy unreal engine like just the engine itself that like draws stuff and shades stuff Mm-hmm. Um, I can barely package that into a binary and get it under 200 if you include anything along with it. Um, you know, we found when we were testing Rev60 at 233, it was frequently the lowest we could go just to do testing. Um, and it's hard for me to understand how we can get like a, a game that would be perfect for the Apple TV right. onto this platform. Um, yeah. And I just have to say one more thing. It is possible that eventually U4 and Unity will support Apple's iCloud solution. But this is where people that are not developers don't understand this. And this is really, really critical. So what happens if you were using Unreal, Unity, some third-party engine to develop for iOS? 
Um, Apple is moving so quickly, like Glenn Fleischman, our friend Glenn Fleischman over at the magazine, eventually had to stop doing an app because Apple would update their stuff and move so quickly, it would break it constantly. And then he was paying like twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 every year or so to update oh. it. In that same way, if you're working with these super powerful tools and you know unreal is light years light years beyond apple's 3d tools um what happens is apple comes out they have a new os and it invariably will address the way it it does hardcore 3d things on like a fundamental deep level you have the chips like their arm processors so it's like non-trivial like doing new instruction sets to it and stuff so what we always find is when new devices come out the game breaks the game breaks automatically <laughs> that is not as big a deal for ios developers because apple is going to turn that around very quickly. But what happens if you're making professional games? You're sitting there, you're waiting for Apple to update their stuff, and then you're waiting for Epic to get around and update it too. And then your engineering team has to look at it and see if Epic's problems even right. su even support the way that you've implemented it. It is a complete pain in the butt. So I just, I really want to stress to normal people out there that this is not a good solution for game developers. Right. I yeah. mean, and I, I think you make great points. One thing I would say is I would hope that maybe Apple will take this this criticism to heart and consider upping that limit. You know, yeah. Um, I I understand the rationale for doing that is because you know they have 16 gigs of of of, of you know storage for one or 32 for another, and I understand wanting to kind of ration that out and not have to show out of you know space messages. But I do think that 256 megabytes is insane, and or 200 megabytes is insane, and that's not going to be good enough. Um, if they're wanting uh, developers to really target this. And, and obviously just saying build it in metal is not a, a valid no. thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it seems like they're not really prioritizing it. Do we want to talk, wrap up and talk about what we're doing this week? Very quickly. Very Brianna, quickly. blast through it. Huck! Uh... Can I even say? I, I can't tell you what I'm doing this week. Oh, well, sorry, that's the fastest way to get through it, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm doing, I am doing a piece for iMore oh, uh, cool. soon, talking more about the technical considerations of this. I have a really cool piece in Refinery29 this week, uh, kind of looking at 30 years of Mario and oh, really uh, lamenting the fact that Princess Peach has so rarely been a playable character. I know, Did and when know? she has been, she's been terrible. She it was the really worst player in Mario in Mario Two. Do you think so? She was the best player. Oh no, my god! Toad I love was the best because he he jumped the highest. She just floated and like you could very very. It was almost impossible to win that game, only playing as her. Because oh, I tried I feel many times. So strongly differently. Oh, Maybe you should fight I love each that. other. Yeah, 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 we should. We should. Uh, and I also have a really cool piece. I was really surprised about this blowback, guys. So like Metal Gear comes out and. You know, feminists are understandably very pissed off about quiet. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible design. So I write this piece that's kind of um, complimenting Metal Gear on um, having a game design that lets you play as a female character through like 99.9% .9 of the game. And I'm like, I'm going to get blowback from feminists about this for like defending the studio. And nope, like the, the misogynist game bros are very upset about their article. <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> Anyways. Um, Oh my god. Yeah. That's a good uh, piece. You should read it. I, I have read it and it was great. Um, I want to ask you what they're mad about, but I'll do it later. Um, <laughs> Christina, what are you up to this week? You're at XOXO. So busy. I'm at XOXO in Portland. Yay! So Yay. Uh, that that I'm super excited about that. 
here for the conference, here for the festival. And I'm also going to at the same time be finishing up my iOS 9 review. So yes, yes, yes. Oh my God. Yay. Okay, cool. Um, Gosh, what am I doing this weekend? I'm trying to get a lot of writing done. I am actually, I'll be playing a lot of review games. I'm playing Tearaway Unfolded right now, and it is incredible as I expected it to be. I'm not very far in it though, so you know, I'm reserving judgment. But of course, as we all know, I collude with Media Molecule almost every second. So um, we'll see (laughs) what that ends up being. Um, corruption. Corruption. Doc Simone. I'm at least the most corrupted. Maybe like in the top ten of corrupted people that I know. Probably. Just in yeah. my personal circle. Yeah. So, um, where can we find you online, Brianna? Uh, Space Cat Gal. Cool. Christina? You can find me at film underscore girl, and you can read all my articles at Mashable. Yay. Can, I, can I plug your piece, Christina? Like your, yes. I, I read every piece that came out this week about the iPhone, and I, I swear this is true. Uh, <laughs> I, I read your piece, and I was struck with so much pride to be doing a show with you because your coverage was so insightful and yet so approachable at the same time. Like it was like a friend was telling me about the iPhone and why I should be excited. And I just I probably I really because like tell- that's literally what it well, was. <laughs> but I just say I think I think you you had so much insight into that phone. And I thought mm-hmm. your coverage was by far the yeah. best piece I read. And Thank that you. is so going to be in the show that. notes, yeah. that yeah. link yeah. up yeah. there. So everyone, please do read it. It is really good. Um, oh, so yeah, Christina, Mashable, Film Girl. You can find me on Twitter at DoomQuasar and at Pixelkin.org, where I am writing about the Apple TV. And I, th- if you like us, which you do, uh, please go rate us on iTunes. It really does mean a lot to us. And... Terminated. 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 